0: The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you, so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to The Business of You. Selena Shands is today's guest on The Business of You. Selena is the CEO of a company called Full Capacity Marketing. Selena is the 2017 Marketing CEO of the Year on the Pacific Coast, and she is also a former American Marketing Association Marketer of the Year. She is also a two-time Women Who Mean Business finalist. But what I most appreciated about Selena in today's interview is her kindness. She has a Southern hospitality and charm, which will come through in the interview, not only in her voice tone, but also just her generosity. She is a strong advocate for workforce education and economic development missions as well. Her company has earned more than 65 global awards for marketing and communications innovations in the public and nonprofit sectors. Selena is also a keynote speaker and a trainer. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Business of You with Selena Shands. Selena, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here today. Oh,
1: hi Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Well,
0: I'm excited to dive into your story. Um, you mentioned mentorship was a big part of your journey. But before the mentorship came into play, I uh, would love to hear where you grew up and what inspired you to eventually, found and and grow your own agency. Okay, well, I'd love to share that
1: story, at least excerpts of it. It's yeah. so long, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'll just start off by saying it's not a linear path um, sure. let's say it, at all, like any entrepreneur is never a straight shot, right? Yes. Uh, but I did grow up in North Carolina, so that's where my accent is from, and I, I reside now in, in San Diego. I've lived in California, oh my gosh over 35 years now. Um, but in North Carolina, uh, I think like so many people in the country, I I was you know trying to deal with alcoholism in my family. And so mentorship was really important from the get go because my sister practically raised me. She, I call mm-hmm. her my sissy Shiro. Uh, She's uh, about seven years older than me and she got a worker's permit at 15 years old and actually started her own company in a very male dominated industry. So from early on, you could say, oh, I didn't have very good role models, but in fact, I had great role models because of my sister. And so she always encouraged me, you know, to get an educational path, to learn great skills. Um, And because we grew up quite poor, she noticed early on that I had some athletic prowess, right? And so she said, I'm going to get you into a small private school. This is all her doing, right? And So I played every sport possible in that school just to stay out of the house, right? To stay out of that negative energy and really try to channel it somewhere positive. And that ended up landing me a scholarship, a basketball scholarship to go to college. And that's where I studied uh, business and marketing in North Carolina. So it's really, um, you know, it's always uh, that pathway, like, where am I going to end up? And and trusting like, well, where's the next step? Um, I did move out of North Carolina to California when Hurricane Diane hit in 1985. It was always a hurricane rolling through North Carolina. You know, it's <laughs> not today. They're plagued by hurricanes. And so I, I said, I'm going to go to San Francisco and Uh, study sports medicine and build upon my business degree. And I did. I had so many injuries from being an athlete that um, I, I studied holistic health and got like a 1500 hour certification. So I could you know, work with athletes and everything, and then parlayed that into a master's degree in sports medicine. So my very first uh, business was, had nothing to do as a marketing agency. It was really just helping doctors integrate sports medicine as part of their practice. And um, so that ended up, you know, long story, it ended up in San Diego working for uh, the county because I wanted to uh, hone my skills on media, uh, learning to work with the news media. And we were talking about that earlier. It's just public relations, so difficult, right? So many levels. And um, did that for a while and wrote a business plan for a foster youth care facility here in San Diego one of the board members, uh, I presented that plan and one of the board members said, I'd like for you to come and work for us in workforce development. I thought, what is that? What is workforce development, you know? Well, come to find out, it was this whole system of public agencies that are across the nation. There's over 600 what they call workforce boards. And they um, manage these American job centers where people come in and they really uh, focus on employment and training. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. They also work a lot with adult education and helping those that have been left behind, uh, as well as uh, connecting into their local community colleges. And I thought, wow, this is so cool because you can really help people get services that uh, will help them either on a career path or to even start their own companies. And I just found that fascinating. So I worked for them for four years and said, That's what I want to do. I want to, when I grow up, I want to have an agency that focuses on workforce education and entrepreneurship. And lo and behold, that's sort of how the agency was born, where we specialize in working with those. And I really love the mission because if you look at those organizations, they tend to focus on underserved and underrepresented populations. And Not everybody's cut out for a four-year university degree, right? Just because that's the path I went down. You know, people have lots of things they're juggling and barriers to entry in in a university. So um, I love that because, again, entrepreneurship is not a linear path, and we're helping those find their own way.
0: Yeah, so true. So true. Um, Do the workforce dev boards also connect people to trades?
1: Yes, absolutely. In fact, um, they do training in the trades, uh, whatever the high growth industries are in their area, they receive funding and then they put that money to training where people can get like certifications that uh, that tells an employer, hey, I've got a certain set of skills. And if you really look at the job market today, employers less and less are looking at hey, this person has a degree, unless it's some kind of very, very technical job in IT or something. But give me someone with soft skills, someone who can show up to work, someone who has a basic line of skills, and I'll hire them, especially in this tight job market. Um, The other part of quote unquote trades is career education, which is found in the community college system as well as adult education. And I love that path for people. I mean, my nephew went that path. Um, Everybody else did university. He did community college. He now, I mean, he's doing his billing now. He's got his own company in manufacturing where he makes this specific part, you know, that's in demand. His billables last month were $30,000. I was like, "Wow." You know, so yeah. there's this kind of misnomer out there that trades aren't good or less than, and it's just not true. It's yeah. just not. True.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, we could talk about this the whole time really, but I feel like trades have really um become way more in demand. Because a lot of people just don't want to do that type of work, but the the business is certainly there. And I also think a lot of the trades are AI proof, but, but yeah, that's a whole other. Back to you, <laughs> back to you, Selena, because you've got such a great background. So you launched your agency. You mentioned it was about 20, 21 years ago. Yeah. And how did you switch from working and workforce development to thinking, oh, I want to create an agency, right? With all these creative components and tons of moving parts and, and, you know, spearhead that. How, how did you create it? And then how did you
1: grow that? That's such a great question. Um, And again, some of this was intentional and some was not. I don't know how you found this in your business. It's like all of a sudden an opportunity presents. It's like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Um, But each of our clients in workforce education and even entrepreneurship, they all have different needs. And all of them, I will say, are the best kept secret. They always say, why are we the best kept secret? And so part of what I wanted to do, and the reason we're called full capacity marketing is I want our clients to be at full capacity long after our contract concludes. So uh, people always think that's not a very savvy business model because you're working yourself out of a job everywhere you go. And I have found it to be just the opposite because if you position yourself as um someone who really as a partner versus a vendor, then you have more opportunities that come in. So that that's why we do things like ebooks and teaching and things of that nature. Um, whether you work with us or not, we want you to succeed, especially in those missions, right? So it started out as one project. And because I had worked in this workforce agency for four years, building their model, I had gone to national conferences and presented on the model and sort of built a network of Folks around, and I thought, okay, this is really cool. So it it started with one project, and then it just kind of grew. It's like, oh, they need a website. We need to have that internal ca- capacity. Um, we're very data driven, so there's got to be market research. So we're bringing in different elements as needed, and that and that's really how I grew it. I can't say we've had all this success intentionally. I'm one that really sort of sets the course as best as possible, and then go with the flow, see yeah. what opportunities Present, yeah.
0: Well, there's so many different types of marketing agencies and digital agencies out there. Uh, Can you share what a typical engagement looks like for you, or what an ideal client would come to you for?
1: Sure. Um, So, those in the public sector or nonprofit are in generally workforce and education, so like community colleges, those types of things. On the other side of the house, you get folks who are entrepreneurs, who really do want to start their own company for profit. So very different. But I find the process is really the same. And I always say, know thy market, know thy customer, (laughs) know thy market segments, (laughs) like the golden rules of everything. Uh So using, um, sitting down and really understanding um, what they're trying, what problem they're trying to solve, in the market, what is their unique selling proposition? Um, What do they do differently and better? And really using data to understand the psychographics of their market segments, because we're so bombarded with messages every single day. I think the last study I looked at, it was like six to 10,000 a day, depending on what market you're in. Just- And um, so, what's going to cut through that noise? And then, really understanding from once you have that brand built. Um, and the message and your, your unique selling proposition for your different market segments that are your ideal customer, then what is the best outreach strategy? I, I mean, I, I feel like online footprint is really critical. So you've got to have a solid, you know, website with SEO and really standing out there and, and uh, building your thought leadership in a way. So now whether that's through public relations, which we do, or, uh, you know, for all the way to you know, just go ahead and building your website all the way um, to outreach, like what does that really look like? And it looks really different for an entrepreneur versus who may have funding for digital ads, paid advertising, versus an adult school that has very little funding. And so we have to really leverage their partnerships in the community to build a voice for them. But the, that structure, it never changes and it's always driven by data. What is the data telling us? Okay, interesting.
0: What are some of the most effective marketing strategies you've identified for your clients? And I'm sure it's it's really different for the entrepreneur versus yeah. the institution, the school or the nonprofit.
1: Right. I think the PR strategies are fantastic for entrepreneurs, getting them out there and um getting their voice in their community and having a connection in the community somehow, some way to your market. Um, there's uh, the, you know, the whole piece around cause-related marketing. Well, what, how does your business not only solve a problem, but connect to a bigger mission that is a value and relevance in the, in the community or the markets that you serve? I think that's, so I think PR can be a really great angle for that. Um, Digital, obviously, is critical in the entrepreneurship um, arena, paid ads and getting in front of, you know, folks who are your ideal customer profile, which goes back to the psychographics, but also we do a lot of paid ads for community colleges and workforce as well, because they're trying to hone in on underserved and underrepresented population, or maybe diversity, equity, inclusion, what's going to meet their goals there. So that's why um, it may the out the outcome is still the same, right? You want to build your brand, you want to build your customer base, you want to uh, be known as a thought leader. But how you approach that a lot is going to be you know, like, what is that going to look like? Is going to be really different depending on your budgets, available budgets, and you know, what your goals are. Um, So I I wish I had like a turnkey that said, you do a really great job of this in your company, by the way, I was on your site looking at your different packages and I thought, this is fantastic. So you really try to accommodate as well. Like it's not a one size fits all. If you find that as well in in your company, you can have a process to use data to work through that, um, through all those questions. But um, yeah, I really like, Meeting people where they're at. Yeah, makes total sense.
0: What's the first thing you do when somebody refers a business or service provider to you? I know what I do. I go to Google, I Google them and I check out their website. And what I see online tells me a lot about how this person is going to conduct their businesses, whether it's service oriented or product oriented. I look at the details of the site. I read all about them. I check out their homepage. And maybe that's because I've been running an agency that builds websites for many years. But I also think how somebody presents themselves online says a lot about how they'll do business with you. So highly recommend having a great website to conduct your business from. Check us out, www.thebrandid.com. If you need a website from one page, to 100 pages. We can totally help you fulfill your need for an incredible website and presence online. Check out www.thebrandid.com. Thebrandid.com. How do you balance working in the business versus on the business as the owner? Gosh,
1: I wish, I want to sit down and just have a conversation with you and ask you that. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. Because I think uh, as CEOs, that is probably the number one challenge Mm -hmm. we have in terms of not getting in the weeds. Like when you're starting out, you wash dishes, you scrub toilets, you do everything. Right. Which I think is a bad thing because then when you get to a place of being able to manage people and managing staff, you've been there, you've done that. Um, but for me, I, and recently, I've done some great new hires and expanded the company. In fact, um, and I, I look to them to have a voice in every meeting and everything. Like we'll, I may bring a project, contracts close, and say, "Okay, here's what I'm thinking now. Mark it up. What? How do we make it better?" So I think having a, um, a culture where everybody has a voice. And feels free to say, I don't think this is going to work. Here's why. Here's what the data is sharing with us. I think that's really important. So So surrounding yourself with people who are diverse in thought and diverse in everything is your end product is always going to be better. And I find that the more I can turn over in that way for execution, the more I can work on the business and look at strategic partnerships and things like that. So that's, that's finally coming into play after 21 years. Yeah, it takes time, though. It takes so it much time. It does. It takes time. And I think, you know, for a while, you, you do have to do it all. So you've got to have a lot of tenacity and you probably won't have work-life balance for a while. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and I don't know about you, but it kind of ebbs and flows my work-life balance. There'll be times where we're bombarded with projects and things have to get off the ground and we're trying to organize. And then there's times where it's like, this was a manageable week, you know, so it ebbs and flows. Totally.
0: Yeah, it does. How did you um, grow and scale your own company? So were were there was it through PR? You mentioned PR for entrepreneurs. Like what were some tactics that were very effective for you say in like year three, four, five, where I imagine you had um, a lot of growth, especially in the early years or whenever you did.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Actually it was Uh, year three where it really took off. Um, I always found that relationship building is the best element of everything, and so because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, full capacity, I want people to be at full capacity. I want to um, give them things to help them, whether they're my customer or not. So that philosophy I took everywhere. I didn't do ads. I. I had built a network. I did good old emailing, phone calling, and I spoke a lot at different conferences that had my target audiences and talked about the models that we had developed. I also had my customers uh, talk with me on panels. So I'm not saying, hey, we did this. You know, They have their scorecard. They say, this has been fantastic. Um, we have a very much a customer centric model that we work with here. So they they talked about that. And it was it was almost like being a proud mama because they would be on the panel. I'm like, wow, we've done our job. They're speaking the talk, they understand this. So education, so that really built that word of mouth and then uh, right, sending out e newsletter letter articles and writing blogs and eBooks and things of that nature to just share what we did in different models. Uh, My grandma always said, nobody can um, argue with results. So that's why we always, you know, when I sit down with customers to say, okay, our contract is six months, six months is out. Uh, up and you're happy. Tell me why you're happy. And that's a question I ask every everybody. And then we put KPIs or metrics to that to make sure that we are doing what they want us to do and then educating them along the way. So that's always been my MO. Um, and then I will say that I have in 21 years have not done an official ad campaign for the company. Oh, 97% good. of ours has been word of mouth. Um, And our big break came in year three when Department of Labor contacted us and said, hey, we've got this big project. We'd like for you to lead it. And it was a huge contract and it was with 16 sites across the country. So that model kind of put us on the map because, again, Department of Labor was talking about it. So sometimes it's a—it's uh, not like a magic bullet that happens. I wish it was. I think it's just hard work setting your intention on the value of your company and what you want to, um, how you want to be in the world with people. And mine was always through education, through sharing, um, you know, that type of thing. I wish it was easy, but it's just hard work in relationships. At least that's how I did it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think relationships are key. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. How...
0: Are you, um, if at all, using your personal brand to build your business brand?
1: Oh, I love that question because I always tell people I don't know how you separate your personal and your business life. To me, they kind of blend together like who you are as a person and who you are as a and how you act as a CEO. In my mind is one and the same. I have yet been able to separate it. In fact, Many of my clients, and I said, you know, 96, 97% come back to us um, and it's because they have funding or they'll think of us or whatever. Um, I'll consider them like my family. And I don't know if it's because I'm from the South and, you know, that's like a big thing or whatever in the South is relationships. But many of them have become my friends and they're like my family. And I personally like that because they know that they can count on us like a family. Now, there's some businesses, obviously, you can't do that, but we're as an agency, I feel like you can. You have an opportunity to build a personal relationship. So we have fun over here. I mean, we're not a stuffy agency at all. <laughs> Our, my personality is, you know, have a sense of humor. Uh, like somebody could, deemed it as relaxed intensity. That's what they said. And I said, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's how they described you for the agency. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And in um, and the company as well, yes. because we like to have fun with our customers. And uh, so I would say that re- relaxed intensity is kind of a good way of describing myself as well as, um, you know, what we bring to the table in the company. Because, you know, you're you're so much at work. You want to have a good time. You want to love your mission do. So how can you carve out that? It's not like, okay, I'm going to work eight to 10 hours and then I'm going to go have fun. Why do that? Why can't you just bring it into the workplace?
0: You know? So true. So you mentioned that your um, company's fully remote always has been from day one, 21 years ago. So how have you built
1: the connection between your team being fully remote? So we, ha- we use a lot of technology. Uh, we use Asana um, as a project management tool. We use Slack to uh, communicate in real time. Um, and generally, how a project, uh, just very process-oriented, I'm usually the one that does the business development along with uh, uh, my VP and we will bring business into the company and mark up a contract that's very customized we bring that scope of work to the team to, to let them know, okay, this is the project. These are their goals. Then we go in and have that meeting with the customer where we we're looking at data, we're doing intake with them to help them define it better. Um, and then everybody gets assigned in a project plan and Asana roles right on what we're doing. And we manage it that way. Um, I think, but, Technology alone doesn't do that. I think you really have to set the tone for the team and the culture and the expectations. A lot of people said, oh, you know, I don't want to work with remote people because they're doing laundry versus working on a project. Well, we set up up in a way where we have key milestones and, you know, as an agency, what's good is I don't care unless they're in customer meetings, if they want to work at two o'clock in the morning. And have a work life balance. I'm fine with that. But the results has to be there. So what what does that look like? So I think if you have those talks up front with your team members and they understand that they really appreciate the flexibility and they're willing to go the extra mile to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So true. Is your team all across the U.S.? They are. And in fact, I think it's a great way to work because we have people in different time zones. So let's say I'm on the Pacific Coast. I'm in San Diego. So if I put a project to bed, the East Coast team can pick it up. So when you think about it, we're we're more available because we're in different time zones for customers. We, you know, work to beat their needs. So very flexible. And what I found is that I'm able to early on, 21 years ago when I started the company, um, was in part by, I'll tell you that story if, you, if you'd like, it would it was a cat named Sheldon. <laughs> it's the reason I started a virtual company. Um, but it's really, you know, it's kind of cool how you can build in that flexibility, not having a bricks and mortar and passing those savings on to the customer. So we're not the highest price. We're not the lowest price. We're kind of like right in the middle, you know, as an agency, and that kind of found our sweet spot there. Um, but really, I started the company because I found a cat named Sheldon. I had, a, first of all, I had a dream that I had a cat. I'm like, oh my hey, gosh, I'm a dog person! I don't know <laughs> why I'm dreaming about a cat. The next day I found a little kitten and I thought this must be Sheldon. His, his name in the dream was Sheldon. And I said, okay, I'm going to take this cat on. And I can't now work in a corporate world because I've got this cat. He had like special needs. He was like oh two my days off. Wow. He was with me for 19 years. And so... He was my inspiration. I said, well, I'm going to have to work from home now because I've got this little one I need to take care of. So in part, that was one of the reasons I, I started a virtual company was this cat. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, that is funny. Talk about how he changed your life, huh? Oh, totally changed my life. Yeah. And, and he was he was with me for so long and Aww. just a, just a dear, a dear heart, yeah. Do you ever bring your team together in person? Yeah, we do. So sometimes there are opportunities um, at co- at national conferences where we're going to be presenting and that type of thing. Um, my West Coast team quarterly retreats and then uh, Zoom calls a lot. Uh, but those are the opportunities that we have. And um, I find that your communication becomes more uh, tuned in on mm-hmm. a virtual team because you yes. got to make sure everybody's in the know, right? So and true. So it, it, it's almost. Um, I don't know. I think it's better on on so many levels, just because with the flexibility element. uh, I saw some study, it was by Harvard, and analyzed over 50 million job postings. This was back in the spring. So I don't have, it was like March, I think. But 12.2% of the postings explicitly mentioned remote work. And that's four times the amount since before the pandemic. So you the attitudes of workers are really changing. Employers are trying to figure out, do I do a hybrid model? Do I do all virtual? You know, again, some businesses can't, but for me, it has really worked well in terms of um, not only profit margins, but saving savings. Yes. Customers. Yes. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit less overhead. Yes. Yeah. Though it is amazing how much the overhead adds up, even in a remote company, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. Technology. (laughs) Way more. Yes. So true. Yes. Um, You mentioned to back to the personal brand piece that you uh, wrote a book recently, and it hit the Amazon bestseller list. So congratulations. And tell us about the book.
1: Thank you for that. Yes, very exciting. It just came out in early September, Mm -hmm. and um, it is an anthology, a women's anthology called Business on Purpose. It's volume two. And so far, we've topped uh, number one. We've hit number one in three categories so far, and that's women in business, service industry, and business etiquette. And there are 12 authors in this. I'm one of the 12. And my VP actually is another one, Annika Jackson. She's fantastic. She's the one that brings the PR skills to our team. Uh, But it's about everybody's journey. And I mentioned early on that, you know, entrepreneurship is not a linear path. It has a lot of twists and turns. And there's so many inspirational stories in there about these women. Some of them were burned out in corporate. Uh, Some just had to really overcome childhood challenges so many great stories about how they've built their companies. and uh, so you'm excited about that and people can find it on Amazon and if you find the um, if you buy the Kindle version, we're actually donating proceeds to humanitarian efforts across across the globe. so that's another benefit. Great. What can you just expand for a sec on business etiquette?
0: How would you define that? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, business etiquette to me is like really conducting yourself in the workplace. Mm-hmm. How do you build? It's almost like how do you build your own personal brand so yes. that you can, you know, uh, be in the uh, either a career space, a corporate space that really sets you apart. Uh, What are the the right and wrong ways, if you will? But honestly, I think it's about being really comfortable with yourself and conducting yourself in a professional manner, really leaning into what your strengths are so that you can stand out in the corporate world or if you have your own company. You know, what is it that makes you unique and different and how do you conduct yourself? Um, it's interesting. I don't know about you being a woman entrepreneur, but when I started out, one of my beliefs that I had to overcome is that I had to do it, be a CEO like a man. And, um, you know, so I had to kind of work through that uh, as well and say, no, actually, you just are yourself. You bring your own style and that builds into your culture and that's what sets you apart. And there's room for everybody. There's, It's not like a competitive thing, even though you are trying to be unique in your own way. Um, it's really to me about just being authentic. Just, you know, who are you? <laughs> hey, here's who I am. S- some companies may not like our style. That's OK. There's a lot of other companies out there that would be. Up so um, that's kind of my take on business etiquette mm-hmm yeah no
0: that's um great advice what you just said there at the end too which is some companies may not like our style but that's okay there's other ones out there and you don't want to conform or alter your style to appeal to a, a potential client because that is deadly
1: <laughs> yes I know you know that right it's like if it's it's kind of like matchmaking you know you yes. want a good match right it's like being on bumble and, I bring that up because that's where I met my significant other. Oh, good. That's great. It is. I I liken it to bumble, right? You or match or whatever you're on. Yeah. And dating, it's like, okay, you know, are we on the same page here? Are they going to like our processes? Do they agree with it? Do they see the value in the process? Mm. Because Mm -hmm. if they see the value in the process, they're more likely to say, okay, I'm in. I know what I have to do. Uh, Because again, it's not a magic bullet.
0: Yeah, so true. So true. Selena, where is the best place for people to learn more about you and about your company?
1: Sure, they can go to fullcapacitymarketing.com. And one of the things we just launched was our, uh, if you look under EFCM, that is our learning hub. Um, There's also a blog there for free tools, but we just have launched, and I'm really excited about it because it took a long time to get there, but uh, two different tracks one for the uh, public sector and workforce and education, and another for for profit and entrepreneurship. And it's we call it do it yourself, which are on demand courses. It's a 10 modules that are really help build your brand. And then we do it with you with coaching. And then we do it for you, which is actually a brand launch with PR and rebranding you or launching you in the market. So folks can find us there and on LinkedIn as well. Our All of our socials are on the website. and You can connect into us. Also run a social media work group for uh, workforce and education and entrepreneurs um, on LinkedIn so that people can just connect with me on LinkedIn and say they want to be part of the group. It um, has about, I think, uh, 2,500 members to oh, date. That's great. Just post things, uh, share share ideas on what's working, what's not, and just have a way to connect virtually.
0: Okay, that's excellent. Well, we'll put those links in the show notes, especially to your new learning hub, which sounds amazing. And congratulations on
1: launching that too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. I know you you feel my pain and my <laughs> success in this interview, right? Because oh, you have your own agency as well. And I'm sure you can relate to many of the twists and turns in your own journey here. Yes,
0: it's endless, right? I think as long as we're yes. owners, we're always <laughs> going to be twisting and turning. It just depends what the day brings sometimes. So true. So true. Well,
1: thank you for being on the show, Selena. Thank you, Rachel. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to The Business of You podcast. And remember... There's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.